Alrighty guys, we're gonna get started here promptly. We got a, got a big topic today, so gonna get going here. You can take a seat. Uh, Pastor Nathan should be coming out with the worksheets, but why don't we pray and we'll get into uh, today's lesson. Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here today. Uh, thank you so much for blessing us with uh, just the ability to worship you, uh, hearts that actually want to praise you. And we just ask, Lord, that you bless this rest of the time in our studies uh, in systematic theology. Lord, we know that you are kind, uh, you are slow to anger, you're compassionate, and you've shown us your mercy. And so we just ask that uh, you help me today as we uh, go through this lesson and help us to interact and, and to learn together, Lord, because uh, you are so amazing and we have an eternity to get to know you more, and we look forward to that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're continuing our studies in systematic theology, and we're looking at the incommunicable attributes of God, right? Just a big word. We'll get into the definition there. Um, but let me uh, ask you this question. Have you ever just looked at creation and said, wow, that's great? You know, you've maybe gone for a hike, and you got to a really high point in a mountain, and you're just saying, this is just vast. This is amazing how God created all this, right? And so, yes, we look at the stars, the moon, the sun, and we say, that is amazing. What a beautiful creation. But then you look at God and say, wow, he must be a beautiful creator. And so we need to start understanding this difference. There's a huge difference between the stars and the star maker. We need to see that, yes, without heat and light, we wouldn't be able to exist, right? We need the sun or we would freeze, right? Well, we need the Lord Jesus, or we wouldn't uh, be able to exist. He is the sustainer. And so we're going to just meditate on how awesome he is today and how we need him ultimately. And so the main question for us is how is God different from us? How is God different from us? We're going to look at the definition in five incommunicable attributes, which are independence, unchangeableness, eternity, omnipresence, and unity. And so the definition just in case you weren't sure, of the incommunicable attributes of God. Those are the attributes that God does not share, right? The word there's commune, right? There's this um, ability to communicate to one another. And so an example would be eternity. Uh, eternity, God has always existed, but we have coming to being, right? We uh, had a beginning. God has no beginning, no end. And so uh, he does not share this attribute with us. Uh, on the flip side, the communicable attributes of God are those that God shares or communicates with us. So love, we know God is love. God is just. Uh, we can understand love, right? We can love others. We, we can understand how God shares his love to us. And so there is that ability to understand love. Now, even though eternity is an incommunicable attribute of God, one day we will experience eternity in the sense we will uh, continue until uh, forever and forever with God. And so uh, even though it says incommunicable attributes, uh, don't let that scare you. Uh, we know that uh, one day we will be in eternity with God. All right. Let's go into our first. And so there's five main uh, incommunicable attributes we want to talk about today. The first one is independence or self-existence, right? God has always existed in the sense of he doesn't need anyone. And so that's our first definition. If you have the worksheet there, 
Um, that's going to help you out. God does not need us or the rest of creation for anything, yet we and the rest of creation can glorify him and bring him joy. Uh, and so this is really important to understand. Uh, and we see this throughout Scripture, Acts 17, 24 to 25. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. And look at this. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath in all things. And so God doesn't need us. I don't know if you thought you woke up this morning and you said, wow, thank you, God, because I know you need me. No, no, we need to have a humble attitude and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you, God, for waking me up because you didn't need me. And, and here you are waking me up for a purpose uh, to do some good works here in earth. And so we need to understand he doesn't need us. And so a good question uh, that we can consider is, does God need people to be happy? You know, you think about from the creation of the world, oh, well, he created us because he needed us, right? Uh, he wasn't happy within himself. Whoa, 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 time out. God had perfect love and communication with the three persons of the Trinity, right? So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they've always understood love, right? And so it wasn't that he needed us, it's that uh, he had a purpose in creating us. And so that's going to be really important for us to understand. Just some more verses here. Psalm 50, verses 10 to 12. One of my favorite verses here. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains, and everything that moves in the field is what? Mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. And so God, everything you see, whatever it is you see, yourself, everything belongs to him. And so it would be foolish for us to think, well, God needs us. Well, no, he doesn't need you. Um, first of all, everything belongs to him. And so um, if he was hungry, even though obviously we know God doesn't get hungry, he has all the cattle, all the cows, all the steaks you can think of. He has that for himself. And so we need to um, humble ourselves a bit here and remember he doesn't need us. He has always existed in perfect harmony. Now, continuing on this topic here, of how God doesn't need us and how he's always existed. If you remember, in Exodus 3.14, he says, I am who I am, right? Uh, it's not that God came into being. He always was. What about Psalm 90, verse 2? Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they exist and were created. And so God is self-sufficient. He has always existed. And we need to understand that there is a great difference. God does not need us for, doesn't need the creation for anything. And so this difference, really great. So think about the sun and a candle, right? Uh, the candle obviously has to be turned on. Um, it's flimsy. It's not going to last long. And then you have the sun. That's a, that's a great difference. Or think about the raindrops, so a tiny little raindrop compared to the ocean. All right? The ocean is, is filled with water. Then you got a, a snowflake, a tiny little snowflake that falls on you. Compare that to the Arctic ice cap, right? Think of Antarctica, whatever you can think of. And also think of this little room that we're in that could fit let's say 100 people at most, 
and the universe. And so we need to understand there's a great difference between creation and our creator. Now, uh, that doesn't mean, though, that everything is meaningless. That doesn't mean that we don't have a purpose. No, God created us with a meaningful purpose. And so we see this in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, verse 7, talks about everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, whom I'm, who I've formed and even whom I have made. And so a lot of us are wondering, what's our purpose in life? What is our purpose? So many things can happen in our lives and we can have this question, you know, God is so great. You know, I'm just a, a, a dust. I, I'm just a worm. And, and yes, there is an understanding of that. It does humble us. But at the same time, we understand there is a purpose. God didn't just create us for nothing. No, God is a purposeful God. We learned that last week. And so, what is our purpose? Here in Isaiah, we learned that it's for His glory. I don't know if you ever thought about that for a second, uh, but it will change your life when you realize you were created for God's glory, not your own glory. It's not for your own success, fame. Um, it's not for everyone to know you. No, it's about everyone to know Him. And so He created you to point others to Him. And so we need to get that mindset uh, really in our minds there, right? All right, and, and we continue in Scripture that He created us for uh, His glory. You read that in Ephesians 1. Um, to the end, that those who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. Uh, and then you also look at uh, Isaiah 62, that he delights in us, right? It says, you will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It's like you're a trophy, a beautiful trophy of grace that he lavished on you, uh, this, this grace, and now you can testify of his goodness. And it will no longer be said to you forsaken, nor to your land will it be any longer be said uh, desolate, but you will be called, my delight is in her, for the Lord delights in you. And so there is delight that God has in his creatures. Uh, and, and so we can remember that even though uh, God is self-sufficient, he has yet um, created us with a purpose. All right, any questions or comments on that, on independence? Any, uh, any points there? Did anyone think God needed us? That's why he created us? I hope not. Um, but a lot of times when you become a believer, sometimes you think like that, you know, and you think, wow, God, God saved me, and so he needs me, right? No, we need to remember. Uh, yeah, Nancy, go ahead. Um, there's a song that says, um, he didn't want heaven without us, and that line was criticized kind of, I think, along the lines of that kind of song. Mm, yeah, I think, I don't know if that's a hill song, yeah. but I remember uh, someone using that, and I was like, whoa, I don't know about that. And I think it was on Retro Radio, they were yeah, critiquing that. Yeah, we got to be careful with our song choices, too. Um, because it should be biblical, it should be uh, filled with theology, and yeah, no, uh, God was completely satisfied within himself, but it's just amazing to think he chose to create, right, and what a beautiful thing is that we have um, the ability to know him. All right, let's continue to the second one. Uh, Joe, just quickly, go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he doesn't need us. Mm-hmm. But he, he redeems us. Is that because you're created according to 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Because that, um, to say that he doesn't need us, or need, I mean, mm-hmm. he, someone would argue he needs us because he rebelled against him and he did something that he did not create us for. Yeah, I think if you if you define the word need, so I need water, you know, to survive, right? Like I need um, food or I'll die type of thing. Uh, when we're thinking about necessity, to say God needs anything would basically say he's not God. Um, and so I think kind of if you want to get philosophical with it, I think that's kind of the approach you would go. But um, he, yeah, he didn't need us um, because he has everything within himself. Um, however, he did choose to create a creation. He knew they would have rebelled, um, and he knew he would redeem them. And so it is a beautiful uh, story of redemption that he is going to do through creation. But, but good thought. Um, let's continue here to unchangeableness. Now, this one is my favorite attribute of God, um, and it should be yours too because of something, and we'll get to that. Uh, the definition here is God is unchanging in his being perfections, purposes, and promises, yet God does act and feel emotions, and he acts and feels differently in response to different situations. Now, this is really important to understand uh, God being immutable, right? He does not change. Uh, Something very simple, but let's be honest, as humans, we change all the time. Anyone got a gray hair recently? Um, You know, sometimes uh, when you're, obviously, when you're younger, you grow, you go through growth spurts, you're changing. Uh, God he doesn't change. He is, he is perfect within himself, and he's um, trustworthy. And we're going to get into that. So just some scripture here about how God doesn't change. I'll give you a couple. Psalm 102, 25 to 27. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, but they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will not come to an end. Malachi 3.6 For I, the Lord, do not change. James 1.17 Every good gift given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And so we believe in a God that doesn't change. Also, His purposes, right? His promises don't change. We see that Uh, In Psalm 33, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Uh, And then in verse 11, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so we see that God has had an eternal purpose, and he is accomplishing his purpose throughout time. One more. Uh, Revelation 1, uh, 1 Peter 1.20, For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. And so God always, and this goes back to what Joe was saying, has always purpose that a creation would fall and they would um, rebel and then he will redeem them. And so what a beautiful thing it is knowing uh, God knows the plan and he is going to fulfill his plan. And so he is uh, in complete control. And I think that's one of the things we need to uh, understand here. Now, of course, there's going to be this question of, but does God change his mind? Wait a minute. We see some examples in Scripture. Does anyone know? 
Uh, some examples? Sure, Mike. Yeah, and so God added 15 years to his life. Is that a change? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyone else? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, so I was thinking more maybe Moses when he mediates um, for the people of Israel in Exodus 32. Um, but yeah, I, I, and maybe Abraham could also relate. Did you have one, Ephraim? Yeah. Yeah, he had that uh, sorrow in his heart, but um, mm-hmm, there's a there's a word there. I think a lot of us uh, maybe just jump over it, but there are scriptures that say and God relented, right? And so, how do we wrestle with this? It's this really important here. Um, some are going to argue, well, that means God is not all knowing. God is not in complete control, um, since He doesn't know what's going to happen next, and so He's going to have to change His mind about. A certain scenario. But we already know that's not true. We know that God is all-knowing. Obviously, we have so many scriptures to back that up. So let's talk about it for a second. Moses' prayer, remember, he prevented uh, the destruction of his people where he mediates and, and he tells God, but your promise, your covenant, right? Um, and, and so what about that? And then we have uh, the episode with Jonah and the Ninevites. We have here uh, judgment. In 40 days, you will be overthrown. Wait a minute, but in 40 days, they weren't. They repented. And so what is going on here? Now, I think it's important for us to understand this. These are true expressions of God's present attitude or intention with respect to the situation as it exists at that moment, right? If the situation changes, then of course, God's attitude or expression of intention will also change. Now, this is just saying that God responds differently to different situations. So, I like to think of it like this. We don't say, well, okay, God's going to save the elect. We know this, so we don't need to preach. No, we know God uses us to preach the gospel to the world. And so, God's wrath is prepared for all who do not repent. But what happens? We preach the gospel, and some people repent. So God doesn't change, it's that the people change, and therefore God's wrath is no longer upon them, just like in the case of the Ninevites. Now, if the situation stayed the same, and they didn't repent, yes, God would have judged them like he said he was going to. And so God responds to the changed situation. He doesn't change. This should also remind us that God is uh, present in our given situations. He cares for us and desires us that we follow him in every given moment. And so I think it's really important for us uh, to grasp that, that uh, it's, it's people that are changing, um, whether they're repenting or uh, they are not repenting, and then it's God who uh, sh- showers his mercy or he continues in his judgment. So I think that's going to be a, a, a good way to think about it. Any follow-up there? Any questions? So this brings us to a very important point. I like this uh, quote here from Joe Beakey. Uh, God is both infinite and personal, and, and he says this, in Christ, the infinite became an infant. Uh, just to think about that, right? Obviously, God uh, from eternity past, God who 
um, has always existed, now takes on the form of a bondservant, right? He puts on human flesh. He's fully God, fully man. He becomes an infant. Just maybe something to reflect on and think about. Just amazing uh, how the hypostatic union is. And so he is infinite in that he is not subject to any of the limitations of humanity or of creation in general. He is far greater than everything he has made, far greater than anything else that exists, but he's also personal. He interacts with us as a person. We can relate to him, right, as persons. We can pray to him, worship him, obey him, love him, and he can speak to us through his word, and he can rejoice in us, right, Uh, be well-pleased and love us. And so, very important to meditate on this. Even though he's unchangeable, he's our rock, he's our foundation, um, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he is also personal, right? And he actually acts throughout uh, given situations, and we'll get into that in a second here. So just a discussion slide, uh, two questions I want to hear from you. Um, what would it mean if God could change? What would that mean? Let's think about it for a second. If God really could change, Mm-hmm. God is the person who we trust and put our life, you know, put our life in his hands. Mm. He's changing. It's kind of scary. It is, yeah. I would not want to trust him. Uh-huh. I'd say ultimately it would lead to chaos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would be the most random universe ever. It would not be structured and orderly uh, without a plan. It would just be, let's see what happens, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't mean God is not perfect, right? Let's say God, in a million years from now, becomes evil, because he could change, right? And he's like, you know, I don't really like this creation. Let me just burn them all or something. Vero, you had something? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I would say if God could change, then he could change his mind about being evil yeah. or about anything. Yeah, I mean, his mercies are new every morning, but maybe not tomorrow. Maybe today. Uh-huh, Evan? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Just go with the culture. That God would just go with the culture, huh? Homosexuality would be okay, I guess, this time. Uh, I think John and Joe had some. John? Did you have some? Joe? So what is the point when, when God says to Moses, when his people rebel over and over and hmm. Yeah. All of the people of Egypt there said you couldn't just be and quickly left. Yeah. So we know that God doesn't change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It appears that God changes, but we know he doesn't change because mm-hmm. of his attributes. Yeah, it, think of it this way. Um, I think Wayne Groom brought it up. Uh, he says, like, when you're with a child, you're, you're warning them and, and you're helping them kind of understand it um, in their terms, right? And so it's, it's more of a, a warning. And yeah, if they obey, then all will go well, blessings, but if they disobey, um, judgment. And so I, I think he was just uh, there kind of going into like more metaphoric language and helping out um, from the human perspective to understand, okay, if we continue in sin and rebellion, then we will be judged. But uh, if 
uh, we repent, we change our ways, kind of like the whole episode with Jonah again. So even that situation with Moses is similar to Jonah's situation, where if they repent, God would have um, showered mercy. And so even though the message says, it, it's, a, it's a scary message, 40 days and Nineveh would be overthrown, you think about there like, whoa, uh, there's no chance, right? But what does Jonah say at the end? I knew you were slow to anger, uh, compassionate, and that you would relent of this calamity that I have upon you. And so uh, it's just a, you know, rather than just maybe getting stuck on a text there, you kind of want to see the, the whole perspective that God, what is God doing? Um, and, and obviously we can't fully understand God's perspective there, but it's amazing to think. Lindsay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, have you ever had someone say, I promise you this, and then they didn't come through? God has always kept his promises. That's amazing to think about. All right, let's jump around here because sake of time. So the next one is eternity. Now, this one is the one that kind of shocked me a bit because I'm just like, whoa, this is, you can't even think about it, right? As uh, finite creatures, as people that have come into existence to just think of eternity, Right? That should really blow your mind. It should probably give you a headache just thinking about it. Uh, God has no beginning, end, or succession of moments in his own being, and he sees all time equally vividly, yet God sees events in time and acts in time. Okay, so just something for us to kind of uh, think about. Right, God never learns new things or forget things, for that would mean a change in perfect knowledge. He knows all things, past, present, and future. Uh, and so... There's some scripture uh, there about that. Um, we see that in Job 36, uh, verse 26, that God, um, behold, God is exalted and we do not know him. The number of his years is unsearchable. Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, right? That's the beginning and the end. I am... He who is, who was, and who is to come, right? And so that's just pointing out God's, uh, that he has always existed. So it's kind of similar to uh, the other one, but this one is, is talking mainly about time. And so God is timeless in his own being. God sees all time equally vividly. And so just to kind of think about it for a second, right? God is the ruler over time. Uh, and so... Maybe I should have put a chart up there, but let's say you have a chart and you have past, present, future, and God rules over it all. And he knows everything that happened in the past. He doesn't forget it, you know, like us. Let's say, uh, what happened to you when you were uh, five years old? Uh, tell me all the details. I can't tell you all the details. I, I fell off a monkey bar once and, you know, my tooth came out. That's about it. That's all I remember when I was five. I almost drowned when I was five. God remembers every detail about my life, every detail about your life, and in the present, he knows every detail that's going on right now, and in the future, he's going to know every detail that's going to happen to you. This is, this is um, amazing. This is why we say God is awesome, right? Because we stand in awe and we marvel at that. Whoa. And so uh, God is uh, the creator of time, just to think about that. I mean, we can't really fathom that for a second. But he's always existed, right? Um, and so, and, and just to think, like, you know, the clock doesn't turn until he creates the universe. And then the clock starts turning because God has always uh, existed. Um, I like uh, Psalm 
90 verse 4 here, that kind of helps us think about that a little bit. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. A thousand years. We feel it. If you're 40, you know, 50, 60, you, you feel all those years. God says here, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by. It's like, you know, it, and then 2 Peter 3.8, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. It, it's, it's one of those things that we, you know, I, I can't do justice here explaining it, but God stands over time. You know, another one, uh, Isaiah 45, verse 21. Declare and set forth your case indeed. Let them consult together. Who has announced this from of old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? Uh, So the Lord has declared things to happen, and they have happened, and he's always known that it was going to happen. And so all of past history is viewed by God with great clarity and vividness. All of time since the creation, uh, he, he... he acts in that time, right? He, uh, it remains clear in his conscience throughout millions of years of eternity future. And so I think that's really important for us to, to kind of think about. God, though he is um, ruler over time, it's not that he's just looking at everything and, okay, yeah, I know that's going to happen. All right, next, next, next. No, he's going to act in that time as well kind of like going back to the infinite and personal. Um, where do we see that in Scripture? Uh, we see that in Acts 17.30, and I like this one. You can go there if you have your Bibles, just to kind of see it here. Acts 17, verse 30 to 31. Therefore, Acts 17, verse 30. Therefore, Having overlooked the times of ignorance, all right, times of ignorance, talking about the past, God is now present, declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, and here is the future, because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. And so God is active in the past, in the present, and in the future. And and that's just amazing to kind of think about, um, that he acts in real time. He is the Lord who created time. He rules over it, and he uses it for his own purposes. God can act in time because he is the Lord of time. Which brings us to another interesting question. Will heaven be timeless? Does anyone think heaven is going to be timeless, or are we going to be feeling the time there? Yeah. So, again, with uh, um, Alpha and Omega, it's kind of an expression because it's the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. And so, really what it is, is uh, to me, it's more of like saying God has always existed because he is the beginning um, and he is the end in the sense where uh, there's like no scope, right? There's um, no uh, finish in the sense of uh, God will always exist. So if we took it literally, the end, I think maybe we're, we're missing the point there um, because then we're going to say, well, you know, everything's going to just come to an end. But no, it, it's just more an expression, understanding that he's always uh, self-sufficient. But yeah. And then I was thinking, 
linear, but God thinks circular. Okay. You know, so the alpha and the omega kind of meet. Mm. So he's like ongoing. Yeah, you think about a circle. A lot of people would use that as an eternity. The beginning and the end. Like he's ongoing, whereas it's uh-huh. linear, and I'm going to have to start and end. Um, yeah. So back to the question, is heaven timeless? Well, the answer is no. Just one verse to kind of prove that point uh, is Revelation 22, verse 2. Uh, In the middle of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so it's going to be great in heaven. We are going to (laughs) maybe not have a New Year's party every year, but we are going to experience time year after year, getting to know God, um, you know, just experiencing heaven, is, it's not just going to be like this, um, when is it going to end? No, it's going to be going on forever and ever, and, and yes, we're going to feel that time, and it's going to be great. And, and as time keeps going, it's going to be greater and greater, because we're going to know God more and more. And so that's just a beautiful thing to think about. All right, we only got two more here, uh, and this one, you guys probably heard of it already. Uh, omnipresence, right? God is unlimited with respect to space. Uh, God does not have size or spatial dimensions and is present at every point of space with his whole being. It God acts differently in different places. Um, yeah, this one is, is really cool to think about. We were just talking about God being the Lord of time, creator of time, uh, ruler of time. Here, he's the ruler of space. Um, and, and really, you can't put him in a box. No, 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 you can't do that. So, you cannot measure God. And we have, again, many scriptures about this. 1 Kings 8.27 But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. Isaiah 66. And this one, again, uh, thinking about metaphorically uh, in this language. Heaven is my throne. So, I mean, you guys could picture a throne, right? A nice seat here. Heaven is... The, the galaxies, right, everything you can think of with space is his throne. It's a tiny throne compared to him. And the earth is my footstool, right? Obviously, here we have, you know, a little part of earth, but um, Port Washington, but that expands to New York and the United States and then, you know, the continents and, and the whole world. That earth is just his little footstool, right? It's picturing just how amazing and, and, and huge our God is. And then he says, where then is a house who can you built for me, and where's the place that I may rest? Uh, it's just pointing out that um, our little uh, creations of, of a temple or of a, um, a house, whatever it may be, God is not contained in that little box, right? He is everywhere presently. Um, and so that's amazing to think about, you know, when John went to Hawaii, God was there with him, right? Uh, when you uh, were in a tough moment of your life, God was there with you. Um, God has always been in the past, present, in the future, in the sense of he's been present, right? Uh, There's nothing that um, God never knew about, uh, found out about. He was never surprised about anything. Uh, He has always seen, uh, you know, whether it be Africa, London, what's going on there, he's always seen it, and he knows it. And so just to think about that also should uh, cause us to worship him, that he is present everywhere. And, and I like to think about it this way. Before God created the universe, there was no matter or material, so there was no space either, right? God is an immaterial spirit. 
And so, yeah, God existed. He existed before even space. So God is present everywhere, and he can be present to punish, to sustain, and to bless. And I won't go through all those scriptures, but just know there, there is a God who cares about what's going on, and he is everywhere at all times, and so we don't have to uh, worry. Uh, we know God is in control, uh, and he's is that amazing to think about. All right, uh, let's just jump around here to the last one. But any questions or comments about God's omnipresence? Omnipresence. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, uh, there were some verses there that I didn't get to, but um, there is, let me see here. Yeah, wherever you go, um, even if you try to run away, uh, God will find you. That's in the book of Amos, uh, and then Amos, and then, um, and then yes, uh, Shil, uh, when it's talking about punishing um, God's wrath, right, abides, and, and God's wrath will be upon those people uh, in hell as well. And so uh, to even think about that too, God is present everywhere, um, Obviously, if you, if you want to get a little more technical and, you know, get into it a little bit more, uh, if you read in uh, Revelation 22 and, and you get into the, you know, obviously the new heavens and new earth uh, where uh, God will dwell with, um, you know, us, his creation. Um, and so there's this idea of God's presence being um, uh, more aware, obviously. And, and he did this throughout the Old Testament as well in the temple. Um, but that doesn't mean that God is just in one location at one time, right? He is still omnipresent. He's able to um, know what's going on and, and be present everywhere else. But yes, good, good thought there. Um, that scripture, I, I forget where it is. Uh, 139. Psalm 139, right? 139. Yes, yes. So wherever you go, uh, you can run away, go to, to the lowest parts of the earth, or you can go to the highest parts of the earth. God will be there. Um, there's no running away with God. All right, we'll, we'll jump into our last one here just because I'm trying to finish it up. Um, so unity, or God's simplicity, means that God is perfect unity without composition, parts, or division. God is, for example, God is spirit, God is love. He's not partially spirit, he's not partially love. Um, he's not divided into parts, yet we see different attributes or, of God emphasized at different times. So uh, a lot of people like to make the argument, well, God is just mainly love, and he's got a little wrath here, you know, um, God is just, but, you know, he has some forgiveness. Um, we need to understand the big picture, uh, that God is um, not divided into parts, right? And so he is the same God always. Uh, and we should not think that God is a loving God at one point in history and a just and wrathful God at another point in history. For example, we talked about a little bit on Wednesday, right? Some may argue God of the Old Testament is that God of justice and God of the New Testament is that God of love. No. All of, of God's attributes matter. And many times uh, people try to single out one attribute as more important than the others. But no, God is perfect in all his attributes. It's not that part of God is light and a part of God is love or that God is partly light or partly love. No, God is light. God is love. And so I just want to leave you with one verse here to think about Exodus 34. Why don't we go there? Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7. Um, just to kind of think about all of his attributes. 
Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7 says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, here it is, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Okay? But not just that. Who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Okay, he's a forgiving God. Yet, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And so there is... We see slow to anger, compassionate, but yet he will punish as well. And so um, we need to have a right view of God. Um, and God is, like I said, he, all of his attributes matter, not just his love and his wrath. Um, we need to say, no, God is love, yeah, but he's also just. Uh, so just another uh, attribute that we can appreciate of God. Um, some application questions here, uh, right here, that I think will get us to think as we go on through the week. The first one here is, do you think that God is less willing to answer prayer today than he was in Bible times? Now, this is something important to think about. Um, sometimes we can get in that when we're reading our Bible, we're seeing, oh man, God is answering so many prayers, like with Daniel, Moses, and, and we can start to be like, what about me? He's, he's not really answering my prayers today. Well, no, God doesn't change. So, the same God who answered the prayers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God today that can answer your prayers. And he knows you personally if you're his follower. And so keep praying. Uh, God is listening to your prayers because he obviously uh, has a purpose there with your prayers. So keep praying those prayers, obviously, according to his will. And the second thing we can think about is if you sing praise to God today, and this is cool, will God ever forget it? He won't. So... Remember, he remembers the past. He knows the present, and he's gonna, uh, he already ordained the future. It's going to happen. So if we sing praise today uh, at 11 o'clock as we're praising our God, he will never forget uh, that sweet uh, fragrance aroma uh, before his throne. So may that motivate you to pr uh, you know, praise him and, and sing to him. Uh, he's never going to forget it. All righty. So in review... First thing I have for us is we are different from God. All right? Yes, if you didn't know that, uh, we, we should know it. We are different from God. Um, we're not going to be like the Mormons who are going to become a God and, and be just like the God of uh, supposedly in their universe. Um, no, we are different from God, and we'll always be different from God. But we, we learned that we change, we came into existence, we are needy, and we are at one location at a given time, right? We're limited, all right? That is obviously another humbling truth. But God, no, God is one that we can trust because he's the almighty God who never changes, who has always existed, and who doesn't need anything and is not bound by time and space, right? He is unlimited, um, and that should really motivate us as we continue in our Christian walk, uh, depending on him uh, through every trial and temptation. And so next week, we're going to look at the communicable attributes of God. Uh, so not incommunicable, but communicable. And uh, there's going to be two parts to it. So there's going to be a bunch of attributes of God that we're going to discuss. And we're going to answer that question. How is God like us in his being and in mental and moral attributes? So 